Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is for grown-ups. Maybe not for kids. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, February 11th, the Backseat Combat Edition. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate. I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Family. And I'm the dad to Lyra, who's 15, and Harper, who's 13. We live in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's eight, Oliver, who's six, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Navarre, Florida. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is seven, and we live in Los Angeles, California. Hey, everyone. Happy February. On today's show, Valentine's Day is coming up, so we are going to do some classic Valentine's Day triumphs and fails. We've also got two letters from listeners today. We'll be discussing how to negotiate a ceasefire when your kids are constantly bickering in the backseat of the minivan, and we'll counsel a mom whose daughter will not quit it with the fake cough, which is not ideal in COVID times. On our Slate Plus bonus segment, we are giving some platonic valentines to important people in our lives. But let's start with Triumphs and Fails, Cupid edition. Elizabeth, you first. Do you have a classic Valentine's Day triumph or a classic Valentine's Day fail? Okay, well, of course, I could regale us all with a series of Jeff's terrible gift giving, like the time he gave me two kissing animals from an ex-girlfriend as like a gift for us. <laughs> and, then, you know, I think we all would agree yes, that that would be an excellent that, way to spend that would our be time. An excellent one. Or I could let you know that this year he will be giving me a card that he pulled from our stash of cards <laughs> yeah. that a girlfriend gave to me. But she gives me cards that are already sealed so that I can use them again. It's like a double gift. He pulled it from there. He thinks I don't know that it's missing. And he'll be giving that to me this Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> surprised when he's listening to this i know <laughs> i don't know what's the more surprising part that he did it or that you're such a great archivist of your card stash that you've already noticed it missing on february 9th when we recorded this. <laughs> like i'm just enjoying the smash cut to jeff with his headphones on on friday driving like a madman to the hallmark store You know, at this point, it's just endearing. So it's fine. It's like I expect it. um, And I'm secretly proud of myself that I I know what's going to happen. But instead, I have decided to give my father a major win for many Valentine's past. So um, it's kind of like a societal fail. In both high school and college, <laughs> Valentine's Day was blown so out of proportion. And I was reminded of this. A friend of ours posted in high school, we used to have do something called data match, which I imagine had to be only a thing my weird high school in Atlanta did. We would get these cards and we would fill them out like a, like a Cosmo quiz, basically. The whole school would do them. And then you could pay $2 and get your results. And you would be matched up with people in your high school. And these would be delivered to you on Valentine's Day with your percent match to the people in your class. Our school did this too. It's a terrible idea. (laughs) We had those. And then on top of that, (laughs) all day during that day, yes, they would sell 
flowers and they would deliver the flowers during class. And so you would get these data matches and then you could like send people flowers. The whole thing was terrible. Coupled with then I went to a women's college and um, we had this board where you would write if you got a package to pick up. And on Valentine's Day, they would bring out a separate board for if you got flowers. And I, (laughs) yes. Oh my God. And here's the thing. Here's the triumph. My father made sure that I never had a Valentine's Day without flowers. He sent flowers every year in college. He made sure during the high school years that both my sister and I at least got one flower, you know, from him through the high school thing so that we never were without it. And, you know, then I went on to marry Jeff, who doesn't believe in flowers on Valentine's Day. (laughs) That's really sweet, though. He was making the patriarchy work for you. Yes, yes. Yeah. So I feel like although society failed me in, you know, building all this up that I needed to receive something to feel valued, my dad made sure that I didn't feel completely not at all valued. So triumph to my dad, fail to society. <laughs> you telling this story reminded me for the first time in probably 30 years that my high school also did something like this. <laughs> and also that one year I wrote all fake answers trying to make myself seem like as cool as possible. And I actually matched with the coolest, prettiest girl at my high school who was absolutely mortified and enraged that she had matched with me. It was great. My um, very dear friend, Mary, who I talked about last week, matched with her brother one year. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the algorithm was so terrible. You guys are perfect. I mean, the algorithm doesn't lie. You guys have a lot in common. <laughs> it's like you're from. It's like you have the same genes. Yeah, well, you know, no. incredible. Uh, Jamila, what about you? Valentine's Day triumph or fail? Well, first of all, I'm astounded that like maybe white people really do live like Sweet Valley High because I was sitting there like <laughs> this is some shit that I would have read. In a, you know, I would have read in a teenage novel. Yeah, those were documentaries. I'm consistently. <laughs> I learned so much on this show. So, well, my fail is my lack of personal archiving because when we talked about this, like, almost a week ago, I said, yeah, this is a great idea. Valentine's triumphs and fails. Certainly, I have some stories. And in my 36 years, I can only remember high school and college, like, we did do the flower delivery thing and, like, people weren't sending me flowers. You know, I was a late bloomer. Uh, I wasn't a late bloomer. I felt like I bloomed. I just didn't get plucked yet. You know, uh, I, I was I was a little socially awkward. The flower metaphors are running fast and furious. <laughs> and they're just sprouting all over everywhere. But like yeah. um, the boys that I liked didn't always, you know, have the same uh, interest in me. And the boys that liked me weren't necessarily my cup of tea. So I didn't really do too much real dating until my 20s. And like I had three serious boyfriends, um, one being Naima's dad. And like and prior to this moment, the only Valentine's Day memory that I could remember is a piece of a Valentine's Day that I spent with him. But I've made this like decision to like just not deal with any of those memories of our relationship that I've just like, you know, we don't really just have to deal with that. It wasn't a bad memory. It was not, you know, just like I don't necessarily want them anymore. But then as I was preparing for the show, I thought, well, perhaps I should I like maybe write that down for Naima? I was like, uh, my parents are broken up. I'm not really interested in any of the, you know, cutesy stories of their romance. Like, I, I just never wanted that, you know? So I don't know. I have to decide. Maybe the listeners can tell me, like, should I, or you all, you give advice. Should I, like, try to write those few memories down that I have? I would definitely write some of that stuff down, only because I do think that our kids are 
intensely interested in the courtships of those who have come before them, whether it's the people in their life who are still together or the people in their life who are no longer together. Like they are very interested in my mom and my dad and the, what their marriage was like and their life was like before they had me, even though they're no longer together. I think that that stuff is worth keeping for sure. That's great. My favorite thing to do during the pandemic, which has rendered me single and celibate, uh, is to archive my memories with my baby father. Perhaps I can do this while I'm babysitting uh, his other child. (laughs) 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 I kid, I kid. Okay, I will. Actually, I don't have to anymore. So yes, Naima, your dad gave me a lovely Valentine's Day. He bought me flowers. He gave me a gift certificate for frozen yogurt. And it was in a card that made a joke about, you know, you say it's no fat, I say it's still high in sugar, but today we'll just celebrate, which is probably like the most asshole thing he'd said to me. He's a very nice guy. And it was a, a great Valentine's Day, I'm sure. I love you. That's the story of our romance. Now that it's in the podcast, it'll, it'll eventually end Check. up in the Jamila Lemieux <laughs> Memorial Library. Yes. Yep, it's all taken care of. All Great. Taken care of. I've got a fail, a Valentine's Day fail, and it's a Valentine's Day parenting fail. So when Lyra was in elementary school, you know, they did the thing that all elementary school, not all, but most elementary schools do for Valentine's Day. Everyone makes a, brings a shoebox in and you decorate it and you give Valentine's to every kid in your class. That's the rule. That's what the rule that everyone follows. And people are generally very good about it. Um, and, you know, starting in kindergarten, we sort of thought, well, Lyra really likes to draw. She really likes to write and make little projects. So before Valentine's Day, we can occupy her for a little while by having her just make little Valentines for her classmates, like just little construction paper things, you know, gave her something to do for a couple of days in early February, which as we are all learning is when you really start to hit the wall, even in non-COVID years. But, um, you know, it's after two months of cold, we were desperate for activities. So having three days where she would just be like busily drawing cute little Valentine's cards were great. And, and they were so cute and who would not love these little Valentine's? Each one would just be like red construction paper folded with the person's name on it. And she'd write, be my Valentine with a backwards B. Maybe she'd like tape some smarties to it or something. And we did that for a couple of years. And then in like third grade, maybe, she was like, mom and dad, I do not want to do these handmade Valentines anymore. And we were like, why? They're so cute. I mean, doesn't everyone in your class love them? She's like, no, everyone else has Valentines with like cool characters on them that they bought at the store. <laughs> and my Valentines don't look like that. I don't want to draw them anymore. I want to give them just regular Valentines that we buy at the store. And we realized that this was a fail on a couple of different levels. And one was that we were embarrassing our kid by forcing her to bring in her janky handmade Valentine's um, and then for, and like causing her to compare her, what we thought was her adorable seven year year old art to other people's, you know, professionally printed Valentine's. But then also very belatedly, we realized, Oh, we're the parents who all the other parents are like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're giving out hand drawn Valentine's to everyone. What is their problem? Yes. Go buy them at the CVS like everyone else. Two fails for the price of one. Two fails for the price of one. So that year and forever after, we just let her buy the Valentine's. I mean, I forgot what she got. It was something totally basic. Um, and she loved them and she was completely happy with them. But the sad thing is, though, while you were talking, I was like, oh, we should do that. In fact, I would have done this to Naima the year that broke Lyra. 
like second grade was the moment. <laughs> right, exactly. She was like, next year, I'm fucking telling them is what I'm doing because this is not going to go on anymore. Yeah, the whole time she was making them, she was like, next year, next year I tell them. The hours of labor really puts <laughs> she a cherry to on really top. enjoy it. We thought... We still force them to make birthday cards for everyone, and they're always like, oh, but we're like, yeah. tough shit. You're doing it. I love that. All right. Good triumphs and fails, everyone. Valentine's Day is a fabulous holiday for triumphing or mostly for failing. Thanks for sharing. All right. Before we move on to the business, we've got a little listener feedback from last week's show. Last week, we answered a question from a mom who's been dealing with the after effects of a concussion. She was looking for a quiet way to interact with her energetic toddler. So one listener, Erica, wrote with a great idea. Jamila, can you read her note? Sure. She writes, I was listening to the show and I really felt for the mom with the brain injury. I have chronic migraines and my son is nearly 10 and just a boisterous person. We try to foster empathy, but I agree about them having to be reminded. Now, my son tells me to go to my room and closes the door to make sure that I'm okay. My suggestion is a game called Avalanche. When my son was small, we would get under the covers or in a duvet and try to be quiet so the snow didn't squish us. It was dark. It was a way that we could play and have fun, ostensibly while she was having a migraine. He really looked forward to it, and I was the only parent that played it with him. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, I really like that idea for a game. It's like sweet and cozy and imaginative. And I think a small child would really get into that. Another listener, Kate, took our suggestion for noise canceling earphones to the next level. She said that she puts in earplugs. And when things get loud, she puts on shooting earmuffs, like the kind that you use at the range. She says they protect you from the loud, but you can still hear and converse during quiet times. Genius. One thing that we love to hear is feedback. So thanks to everyone who wrote in. And with that, on to the business. In Slate Plus today, we are throwing it back to elementary school by dishing some Valentines out to everyone in class. It is time to shower some Platonic Valentines with praise, love, and thanks. Here's a little bit of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. He's the world to me, and, and I miss him so terribly. And his, you know, his mother has gotten sick. He's lost people over the pandemic. Um, it, it's been a hard time for him. And his apartment is upstairs from his mother's. And since they are in such close quarters, uh, he is also quite socially distanced in a way that we have that in common. To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcast. Plus, bonus episodes of shows like Slow Burn and Dear Prudence, and you'll be supporting the work we do right here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting. It's only $1 for the first month. To sign up, go to slate.com slash momanddadplus. Hey, if you want to be notified about all things Slate Parenting, you should sign up for Slate's Parenting Newsletter. So it's all of our content in one place, Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Ask a Teacher, Karen Feeding, all our great pieces and podcasts. But also, it's just a fun story from me, from my household, directly to your inbox each week. So sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. And finally, if you want to connect with other parents, try joining our parenting group on Facebook. It's super active, full of people with great advice, great questions, great support. It's well moderated. So if anyone's a jerk, we kick them out. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook and join us there. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, back to the show. Let's move on to this week's first listener question. It's being read, as always, by the unparalleled Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, my oldest and second are 18 months apart exactly. So right now, they are five and a half and four, and out of utter necessity only, they sit next to each other in the far back seat of our minivan. This arrangement cannot be changed. I cannot put the infant between them. I cannot put one in the middle row. They have to be next to each other. Unfortunately, I'm losing it. Every single time we drive anywhere, one of them picks, picks, picks on the other. They do it to each other equally and are both guilty of this. Sometimes it escalates into hitting. I cannot reach back to them. I can't separate them. I also can't drive with it going on. Help. Minivan mayhem. Okay, we had a very similar situation. When we lived in Europe, we only had the Honda Civic, and I had Teddy while I was there, so we had all three when we would drive in the back. And they could not stop, no matter what order I put them in. We bought... (laughs) Um, that like foam poster board that you use for, uh, science projects and we stuck them between the seats. And so it was like kid, poster board, <laughs> kid, poster board, kid. It is definitely like probably plan not office yes. environment. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I look back, cubicle. it looked like cubbies and we yeah. cut them so that we could still seat out the back, but they couldn't see each other and they could like draw and poke things and it worked great. I have no idea if that is safe. I felt like, okay, if it becomes a projectile in the car in an accident, it's just a piece of like foam poster board, not like poster board, like the foam core kind. It was great. I would, <laughs> I would how did you get it. it to stand up on the seat? Because the seats are so close. If you've got two car seats next to each other, she's got she, oh, it's just like wedged in, in between the car seats. They're just like wedged in between. I did Google it and they make products that do something similar. There was something on Shark Tank called the Space Traveler. And it's like a pod that fits around just one of them and zips up. And there's also like these sheets that hang down. But I mean, my kids would have gone straight through the sheet. But the poster board was like hardy. And it was, you know, less than a dollar. So on the couple times they poked through it, we just stopped at the hem and got, got another one. And I will say, then when we took it down, they felt like it was like special <laughs> because right. otherwise mm. they were in like their white and their cubicle you know, little pods in their cubes. Yep. That's very funny, but also potentially a great solution. <laughs> I have this image of just someone figuring out that you just punch the poster board like five times and it collapses onto the other person. What you can do that's fun is like jab a pencil through it and then oh, just sure, to, yeah. like tip. Yeah, that's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> But that also keeps them entertained while you're driving. <laughs> I don't know that this is a real solution. This is how we handled it. <laughs> we drove all over Europe like this. I think I love it. Jamila, like what a about you? Solution to me. I would just add or ask, have you exhausted all of your options in terms of devices and podcasts? And like, are these busy hands? Busy hands are, you know, Sometimes can be used to hit, but oftentimes are too busy doing something fun. So do they have something to keep them occupied aside from each other? Because it doesn't seem like they're too, they're great company for one another in the car. So uh, maybe one of them is listening to a podcast that they like on the radio and the other has headphones 
Or unless they're competitive in that way, right? Is it, do I need to serve you each what you would prefer to have or do you need the same thing? So maybe they each have headphones and a tablet. I know that's a terrible uh, thing to say like, hey, go out and spend a couple of hundred bucks on devices. But I'm just saying in the chance that you already have these things, you need to figure out a way to utilize them. I would also maybe add, can you put like those big mittens on them that they struggle to take off? <laughs> that's something you could do temporarily that keeps them from doing harm to each other. Or maybe they can just kind of pop each other with the mittens on. It might not hurt as badly. That would be more like comedy. Yeah. If you see them just like whacking. Right, exactly. Yeah. But no one's getting hurt. But it's no perfect. one's getting hurt. <laughs> I'm also uh, seconding Elizabeth's suggestion. In general, I do think that this exact age is the age where stuff like this is really hard to control and stop. Like they're they're almost at the listening to reason stage, but they're not quite there yet. And uh, we're going to deal with that a little bit with the next question, too, that like trying to get a four-year-old to see the logic in your argument is really hard. So sometimes you are reduced to like these kludges, like these self-constructed solutions to these problems like foam core or giant mittens or something like that, that are the only way around this. I'm curious if either of you have just ever found any way to, to help kids this age keep from bothering each other through like actual teaching. <laughs> like I never was able to at this exact age, but like, are, are we just basically as taking as a given that this age is impossible and you could talk to them forever and it wouldn't change their behavior at all? Yes. Four-year-olds are incredibly unreasonable. Mm -hmm. I think with a four-year-old, you can either prevent the behavior or distract them. So whatever that means, I in our car, we use car snacks a lot, which are basically just snacks I don't have. They're usually like the little like fruit gummies and things. And we have the opportunity to like earn those. My four-year-old is very food motivated. So that's a great little option for like, hey, if we make it here without a problem, you can have this. But I think other than, like Jamila said, providing something for them to do so they don't remember to hit. But I, I think in general, kids do that because they're bored and they want attention or it's just something fun. You know, it gets a reaction out of someone. Um, or they, again, are bored because they don't have anything to do. But this too shall pass. I think the five and your half-year-old, like, if it feels like around six, they get some sense of like, okay, if mom keeps stopping the car or if she's, she's just like, well, I'm not going to take you there because we have to go in the car, there starts to be real consequences. But I think in general, four-year-olds <laughs> kind of are like, oh, good, we're not going in the car. Great. Oh, we're pulled right. over again. Perfect. I win. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> it's like wrangling cats. You're going to get scratched. Yeah. How much... It varies, but it's going to happen. I only have one extremely great piece of advice for this parent, which is that the one thing you can put between them in a car that will ensure that they will be fully distracted and unable to reach each other is a dog. <laughs> Buy a dog, put the dog in the back of the car between them. You'll never have to worry about it again. Your friend, Dan. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Thank you. Send us an update, uh, whether you go with foam core or a dog or big mittens, or you just sort of wait it out because I think Elizabeth is right that you're, you're probably six months away from this basically not being a problem anymore. We want to hear how it goes. And everyone else, if you've got a question for us, email us at momanddad at slate.com or post it in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. All right, let's move on to this week's second listener question. As always, it's being read by the superlative Shasha Leonard. 
Dear Mom and Dad, My four-year-old daughter has recently started faking a cough during a pandemic, and I am beyond frustrated. It started about a week ago, before school, when she started coughing. I felt like there was a 50% chance she was faking it, but I couldn't be sure if she was really coming down on something, and with the current circumstances, I felt I couldn't send her to school. I did tell her that if she was coughing for real, she would have to stay home from school and miss her pajama party and would have to be tested for COVID, which she knows is unpleasant. But she insisted that it was real. 30 minutes later, she forgot all about it and it was obvious she was perfectly fine. Now she is doing this fake cough thing all of the time. Her attitude kind of reminds me of when she asks to be addressed as Buzz Lightyear and wants to stay in character all day. Like, she's just enjoying playing a sick person. This evening she was trying out different things, like, I can't eat dinner because I'm coughing too much, and I can't take a bath because I'm coughing too much. So far, we've just been ignoring, 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 and reacting as little as possible. Eventually, she gets bored and moves on, but it is so hard to maintain as this behavior is so irritating to me and makes it hard to know if she's actually sick, which is really important right now, and it continues to occur. I have considered just saying, if you fake cough again, you are going to time out, but I have also thought about doing a boy who cried wolf kind of explanation. But I worry that if I make it a thing, she will double down on insisting she is coughing for real, and it would show my hand that this coughing behavior is getting my attention. And I find that reasoning with four-year-olds is often futile. Any suggestions? Well, uh, if you listen to the show as recently as last week, you may know that I have some experience with faking illnesses and injury. (laughs) I have quite a bit. In fact, when Naima was, oh, maybe she was four when this happened, four or five, she faked a leg injury so long that her leg began to hurt because she would not bend her knee because she was limping on it. Like, and like we lived at the time, we lived up a flight of stairs and she committed to this injury going up and down the stairs. She took this injury from New York, where we lived at the time, to Los Angeles, where we were on a very special trip for her. Like, I just remember being in the middle of the street by the Staples Center and running into someone that I know in a city where I do not live as my child's fake injury almost got us hit by a car. So you have, (laughs) she was exactly for you. The more I think about like, no, she just turned four because we just had her fourth birthday party. So I have been in your shoes. And now that she's almost eight, I wish I could tell you that uh, this is necessarily going to go away. Perhaps your child is a little weird Aries too. I would say, I think ignoring it is great because it does cause her to move on and she's not being rewarded for the behavior. I think that considering that she's coughing during a pandemic, and that's a little bit different, that that is making you anxious, perhaps. Everyone's sensitive to that sort of thing right now. And she could be hurting her little throat. It's time for you to scare her straight. You should not scare her to the point where she does not want to see a doctor or thinks that, you know, being sick is such a bad thing. So it's not necessarily like walk her through what happens to people who have COVID, but it may be time for a virtual telemedicine appointment where she has a serious conversation with the doctor. And maybe this is not a real virtual telemedicine appointment, if you know what I mean. You don't actually have to do a doctor. If there's somebody you can FaceTime who can uh, make themselves look enough like a doctor 
uh, under normal circumstances, I would say take her to the doctor and walk through this if you can. But have this person give her a very serious talking to about what it means to fake an injury and how absolutely busy they are managing the pandemic and what a waste of time it is for them to have to deal with something like this and what the consequences of making up an injury might be and make up some consequences. At this point, it's all theater because there's so little that you can do with a four-year-old. So maybe a little bit of theater will make living with this particular four-year-old a little easier for you. What a fun assignment for a faraway friend to be like, (laughs) hey, can you please pretend to be a doctor on a Zoom? And scare my kid. I'll do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jamil is volunteering. Send us an email if you want Jamila to be your fake doctor. Elizabeth, what do you think? So I agree with Jamila that it's time to scare this child straight. I love the fake doctor idea. Um, I also think you could try sitting down and explaining like that fake coughing, like what it does to vocal cords. Again, explaining just the, as a mom, if you keep coughing, then we do need to go see the doctor that something is not right in your body. Now, I will say also, I do not think this child has pandas, but one of the first symptoms that appeared for us was actually a throat clearing tick um, that happened that I also thought was a fake cough and went into the doctor. And of course, the doctor was like, it's a fake cough. Just ignore it. Um, And then that was followed by like a series of other. We had eye blinking, all kinds of things. But at that point, even the medical advice was sort of like, well, we know it's not a real cough. It's not producing anything. It's not doing this. We need to just kind of ignore it so that they don't continue to cough. I do think, though, if she's if she's trying to play like a sick person, in addition to the to the fake doctor's visit, you could also treat her on a weekend like she is really sick. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you have this cough. It must be, it's been persistent. It must be very bad. You must stay in bed. And, oh, we couldn't possibly watch anything or do this because you are so sick. To try to, again, just, you know, reason with a four-year-old or at least convey to this four-year-old, these actions have consequences. At the end of the day, though, I think, like, it's a four-year-old. Right. I agree that all of your advice is reasonable and would work with a kid that is older, but I'm just very dubious that even this fake doctor call, as delightful as it would be, and I, Jamila, I want you to record the Zoom when you do it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm very dubious. going on Amazon to buy a doctor coat, just so you know. <laughs> no pressure. I'm just very dubious that 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 it's going to stop a four-year-old necessarily. And I think this letter writer is right you know, to worry that any way that you treat this is going to be in some way reinforcing. And so I wonder if there are ways to sort of acknowledge that the behavior is happening, but steer it in ways that are less disruptive. Two things that I can think of. One is I think the letter writer is really perceptive to tie this to the sort of same performative way that kids will love to like be Buzz Lightyear for a weekend or just say I'm a princess or whatever. And we often found it useful in any of those circumstances when we were like being driven crazy by the 11th straight day of Lyra being like, I'm the rainbow magic bluebell fairy or whatever. We would just sort of lean into the performance part of it and sort of treat her like an actor. And we would make it clear we understood that it was pretend and we would try and steer her towards the pretense. We would say, oh, this is the person that you're playing today. That's so exciting. We're all going to pretend to be people. What kind of costume do you need? What kind of person should I be? And so steering it into a game in which you play the doctor and she plays the patient. And then when the game is over, it's over. 
might be helpful and it might be a way for her to sort of acknowledge because it's fun that a performance is going on and that is what she's putting on as opposed to her trying you know fairly incompetently to fool you which is what seems like it's sometimes happening now the other suggestion i would give and i and i'm sure that we will have child psychiatrists writing into me to be like dan you're insane but couldn't you also just buy a costco size bag of cough drops and every time she coughs just hand her a fucking cough drop and be great news these cure coughs and you give it to her and she sucks on it it's delicious she won't cough for a little while. Eventually she'll cough again. Great news. You get a cough drop, but who cares? Give her the cough drops for a while and eventually she'll just stop. Or maybe she won't and you'll have to buy more cough drops. I don't know. But like, at least it's a way of dealing with it that isn't going to drive you completely insane and that gives her a reason to stop coughing because she has gotten the medicine for the cough. With the caveat, of course that doctors do not recommend cough drops for children under six. But if your child can handle a cough drop, you know better than I, of course. They also have Hall's Kids and other varieties of kids cough pops that are on little sticks. So if you're worried about choking, yes. you have that option as well. I was going to say absolutely no on the cough drop, but um, the Hall's Kids pops are very good and my daughter loves them. You do have to worry about them wanting to just eat them because they taste like candy, but they come on a stick and they're safe. Maybe just take a Hall's Kids cough pop and coat it in tuna and then give it to your kid. Go buy the Dutch dropjes. They're disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Dutch people <laughs> love licorice flavors. Dutch licorice drops. You can give them black licorice and say that that is the cure for coughing. Exactly. We're treating a fake cough here. <laughs> Lots of great options here. I can't wait to see what you choose, listener. I just thought about Naima and her 24 uh, Pepto-Bismols. <laughs> oh, I remember. That was a classic day. Classic day. I just remembered that last night I asked Naima's dad, how was her day? And he texts back, woo. About five minutes later, I get a message that's like <laughs> the length of half of a Subway sandwich. Um, <laughs> He's just been and, typing since he yes. since he typed while. Wow. Yes, and one of <laughs> and one of the de- the many details that he shared about her day. This was one day. He's like, she's saying she's got this ankle injury and it's preventing her from doing everything. And it totally made me think. I was like, she did that on Saturday. So I'm so sorry. I wish that I had more hope for you <laughs> that your child would grow out of this. But it's very possible that this is just a thing that lives in your home. Uh, can I tell you guys that? I basically did this the summer after freshman year in high school. (laughs) I was at summer music clinic in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was like walking up some stairs in one of the buildings and I like tripped and like wiped out in an embarrassing way. And to like defer attention from the wipeout, I pretended I had actually suffered like some kind of knee injury. And then I ended up like going to student health. And they didn't see any kind of knee injury, but then they like called my parents. So when I got home, I just continued faking as if I'd had a knee injury. And it's at one point, I think my parents paid for like some MRI or something to check out my knee injury. And at this point I was so deep into it that I couldn't get out. And so I just went months just like limping around Wisconsin, (laughs) pretending I'd had a knee injury because I didn't know what to do. And you are 19. 
No, it's it freshman year in high school. Oh, high school. I, I, I thought you said college. I was going to say, sham fucking wow, Dan. This is. No, I mean, it's still pretty embarrassing <laughs> in high school, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, but yeah, I just, you know, it was like months. And like, I'm sure my parents, if they are listening to this podcast, are going to be like, fucking asshole, that kid. Because they had to drive me to fucking orthopedists and shit. <laughs> and eventually, like when school started again in the fall, I was like, well, I'm feeling better. Dan, you were an awful child. <laughs> Letter writer, I hope this was useful to you. I do think embedded in our personal stories of deception is some useful advice. Write us back and let us know how it goes. My hunch is in a couple of weeks, this will be gone or your child will be addicted to cough drops. Either way, I think you'll be out of the situation for the most part. And if you've got a question you want us to answer, Drop us a line, mom and dad at slate.com, or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group like this listener did. Just search for Slate Parenting. All right, on to recommendations. Jamila, what are you recommending this week? Now, more than ever, it is important that we support our small local businesses. And I have been reminded of the, the power of doing so by switching from a large chain pharmacy to a small local one, a very small one. I would shout them out, but uh, they're just a little bit too close to home for me to feel comfortable doing so. Drop my things off, maybe on Tuesday, right after the show, I think. And I said one particular medication I was going to run out in two days, right? So they give me a couple of pills to make sure I don't run out. And that they would have the full order for me on Friday. So Friday comes, the pharmacist calls me to let me know that my order is ready and that I can come pick it up at four o'clock or by four o'clock rather when they close. And so I look up and I realize I won't make it um, at at four o'clock and I'm like, oh, it's fine. You know, I I had enough medication to get through the weekend. So I'm not really tripping over it, but, you know, I'm happy to know that they're there. At 4.45, the pharmacist calls me and says, hey, you know, I was just concerned that you hadn't came and I wanted to make sure you had enough medication to last through the weekend. And I said, oh, you know, I was just busy working. I'm so sorry. Uh, I actually do, but thank you for checking. And since he was still there, he let me come and pick up the rest of my prescription. You know, like I that sort of customer service pretty almost brought a tear to my eye. Um, it, it meant a lot to me, especially with medication, you know, and, and having had issues with this bigger pharmacy and it's a big chain. I've been to a bunch of different locations and I've had different experiences. But once you've had a couple of experiences where you feel like somebody's not really concerned about you getting medicine that you have to take every day, uh, it's kind of hard to get past that. Right. And so that this person cared that much. And again, I think that that's perhaps what a pharmacist should do. Right. This isn't a, a dry cleaners or a shoe shop. This is something that I take to, you know, to be alive and well each day, but it meant so much to me. So I am strongly recommending that if you are able to use a small local pharmacy, uh, please do. I also, for some strange reason, the only reason I had not done that sooner is because in the past, and granted this neighborhood is a little bit uh, different, some of the last ones I lived in, I always worried that maybe a smaller place wouldn't have my stuff. And they had them, you know, for the most part, they had most of the things I needed there and what they didn't have, they got to me very quickly. Love small local pharmacies. Want to additionally shout out the tiny pharmacy in Thienesville, Wisconsin, that went out of their way to find the like senior living place where my mom lives, contact them, get every single person who lived there over to their pharmacy and give them all COVID vaccinations on Saturday when fucking no one else in Wisconsin was doing shit. So great job to that tiny local pharmacy. Thank you very much. Elizabeth, what about you? 
I am recommending a book called Tea Time Around the World by Denise Wisebluff. And it's a lovely little book that um, is a great picture book. It has kind of like bolded text, that uh, very simple text that's like an easy first reader, but kind of talks about tea time. But then on each page with the illustrations, there's kind of smaller text describing the traditions of tea from around the world. And it covers Thailand and Japan and Russia and Egypt and Pakistan and Hong Kong. And you can learn all about the different um you know, ways that people use tea in their lives. And we do poetry tea time kind of off and on here. And so when I found this book, it's been a great kind of addition. And we've been trying out some different teas and different tea customs from the book. So a really fun way and something to do during the the colder months. And it's called Tea Time Around the World. That sounds awesome. Uh, In addition to recommending that you drug your children with cough drops, that they'll choke on. <laughs> I also recommend, uh, so I've been eating a lot of popcorn lately. The popcorn has been the snack of choice around here. So I'm actually making three recommendations. First of all, a, a whirly pop to pop your popcorn in. That's one of those big aluminum pans where you put all the popcorn in and you heat it up on the stove. And then when it starts popping, you just turn the crank and it tumbles all the popcorn around. So it pops evenly. Very fun. Makes great popcorn. Uh, I also recommend Amish country blue kernel popcorn, which after testing about 700 different kinds of fancy ass popcorn, I've determined to be my favorite. And finally to put on your popcorn, uh, Trader Joe's everything, but the elote spice, which they make for putting on corn, but is also totally delicious on popcorn to give it that Mexican elote taste. Everyone rush out and buy those things. And you don't have to thank me personally. You can just send me a gift certificate to thank me when you have the popcorn experience you're about to have. Believe in the Whirly Pop, folks. All right. That is our show. Thank you so much for joining us. One last time, if you want us to weigh in on your conundrum, just email us at momanddad at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. And if you haven't already, hey, subscribe to Mom and Dad Are Fighting wherever you listen to your podcast. It really helps us out. It helps us sell the show to advertisers and it helps you out because you'll never miss an episode. And while you're there, eh, you could also rate and review the show with five stars or whatever the, the platform equivalent of five stars is. And you know what? Tell us what you think. We'd love to know as long as you're telling us how great we are. Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson. June Thomas is senior managing producer and Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux, I'm Dan Coyce. Thanks for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.